0: Hello everyone and welcome to the January 16th edition of the War Comp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd-Scarin Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal ruled that an employer's severability and a poison pill clause makes its arbitration agreement between the employer and the employee null and void. In this case, Nicole Marinis and Kelly Patrie filed a putative class action against Heritage Bank in 2020, asserting nine causes of action for various employment law issues, such as failure to reimburse business-related expenses, to provide meal periods and rest periods, failure to pay minimum wages and overtime, among other similar labor code violations. And the plaintiffs also alleged a Public Attorney General Act claim, that's a PAGA claim, on behalf of the state of California for all persons employed by Heritage Bank in California during the relevant time period. However, when these employees were hired, they signed an arbitration clause. Then in 2020, the United States Supreme Court issued its much-anticipated decision in Viking River Cruises versus Mariana which held the Federal Arbitration Act preempts California law insofar as California law attempted to preclude a division of the PAGA actions into individual and non-individual claims through an agreement to arbitrate. Relying on Viking River, Heritage Bank moved to compel arbitration of plaintiffs' individual claims separately from any class or non-individual PAGA case but the trial court denied the motion, observing that the employment agreement had this provision that illegally waived the right of employees to bring a POG-type action, plus a non-severability clause and poison pill. That precluded severance of that unenforceable waiver, and as a result, the court determined the entire agreement to arbitrate was null and void the Court of Appeal affirmed the denial of the motion to arbitrate in the published case of D. Marinus v. Heritage Bank of Commerce. It noted that the arbitration agreement in Viking River contained a severability clause specifying that if the waiver was found invalid, still any class, collective, representative, or PAGA action would be presumptively litigated in court. So, the court interpreted this clause as permitting the employer to enforce arbitration of just the individual PAGA claim. A year later, the California Supreme Court held that in the Adol v. Uber case that an aggrieved employee who was compelled to arbitrate his individual PAGA claim nonetheless maintained standing to pursue his non-individual PAGA claims in court. To facilitate this, employers are free to draft a severability clause like the one that Viking River interpreted in conjunction with the PAGA waiver to permit arbitration of just the individual PAGA claim. But here, Heritage Bank did not do so. Instead, it used an arbitration agreement that contained a non-severability clause and a poison pill, which together specified the that all conditions in the waiver provision are material and may not be modified or severed, either in whole or in part, and that if the waiver provision was found unenforceable, then the entirety of the arbitration agreement was null and void. And the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has revived a rest-break class action against a California retailer. The lead plaintiff in this case was Ariana Miles. She worked for Kirkland's, a chain of home decor stores in California, from 2011 to 2018. She alleged that Kirkland's unlawfully required employees to remain in the stores during their rest breaks and work off the clock by getting their bags checked after they had clocked out. And she sought class certification for various subclasses of these Two claims. The district court denied class certification because it found that common issues failed to predominate over individual ones under the federal rules of civil procedure for both the rest break and bag check claims. For the rest break claim, the district court assumed that on-premises rest breaks not only automatically violate California law and thus it would have to conduct individualized inquiries into whether each subclass member was denied a duty-free rest break while being required to stay on the premises. And for the bag check claim, the district court denied certification because it said there is insufficient evidence to demonstrate a general practice across Kirkland stores in California facilities of unlawful bag checks that predominates over individualized inquiries. The plaintiff appealed in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals reversed the district court's denial of class certification for the rest break claim but affirmed the denials of certification for the bag check claim in the published case of Miles v. Kirkland Stores. With regard to the rest break claim, under California law, employers may not require employees to work during rest periods. And California's Supreme Court has interpreted the statutes to mean that employers must relinquish any control over how employees spend their break time. With regard to the bag check claim, under California law, employers must pay employees for all hours worked and Federal Rule 23 requires the district court to engage in a rigorous analysis before certifying a class. A party cannot plead or speculate their way to class certification, and the court said the plaintiff must marshal facts showing by a preponderance of the evidence that class issues predominate and that the common question relates to a central issue in the claim. Here, Kirkland admitted that it had a Uniform Employee Handbook policy requiring employees to remain on the premises during their rest breaks. But it was the company's policy, and by itself, is not enough evidence that there are common issues, since there is still a need to look at evidence of whether the company consistently implemented and enforced the policy across all employees during the class period. After the Court of Appeals examined declarations of nine employees, the district court determined that it would have to conduct individualized inquiries into whether each subclass member was denied a duty-free rest break while being required to stay on premises. So the Ninth Circuit concluded that the district court erred in denying class certification of the rest break claim, but that it properly denied certification of the bag check claim. And a California school district prevailed in a lawsuit filed by an employee who had been terminated for cause. In this case, Ramirez, Mrs. Ramirez was employed by Visalia Unified School District for more than 20 years, and she also served as the local union vice president and president between 2016 and 2018. In 2015, the school initiated termination proceedings against Ramirez and settled that dispute the next year when Ramirez agreed to transfer to a position with Visalia Charter Independent Study. The charter school operates traditional and online independent study programs and is a dependent charter school, meaning it is part of Visalia USD. In either December 2017 or January 2018, a parent of a student in the charter school complained that her child was erroneously assessed in absence and the principal of the charter school investigated the complaint and discovered that the parent was correct. And when other attendance discrepancies were noticed, the principal initiated a larger investigation and Ramirez was placed on leave pending the conclusion. This investigation indeed concluded that Ramirez falsified school district records, created numerous transcript and system errors, created incorrect and false permanent academic records for students, failed to implement policy on double-checking attendance, and misadvised students and parents, and there was a potential school district liability for misreporting attendance to the state of California. That was nearly $750,000 so Visalia initiated termination charges against Ms. Ramirez. However, two weeks before she was placed on this leave for investigation, she attended a school board meeting and criticized the district policy and the superintendent. So, Ramirez contested her discharge at a hearing provided by Visalia USD. After numerous witnesses testified, The hearing officer concluded all charges except for the falsifying records were sustained. About one week later, the school board voted to terminate her employment. Next, after she was theoretically terminated, the California School Employees Association, CSEA, filed an unfair practice charge with the Public Employment Relations Board. An alleged Visalia Unified School District violated the government code by firing an employee in retaliation for engaging in a protected union activity while she was serving as union officer and advocating on the union's behalf. And the union charges proceeded to a formal hearing by an administrative law judge. And the same parties testified to the general facts in that hearing, is what occurred in the discharge hearing. Among other findings, the board held that uh, Visalia Unified School District failed to establish it would have terminated Ramirez regardless of her protected activity because of her ongoing performance issues. However, the board recognized the impact of Ramirez's errors on students was a legitimate one but they concluded it was pretextual. Now the school district appealed and the court of appeal reversed in the published case of Visalia Unified School District versus Public Employment Relations Board. The USD asserts on appeal that the California Education Code 45113 provides that a termination hearing conclusively established sufficient cause to terminate her. The Court of Appeal noted that there is no decisional law discussing the intersection between the Education Code and the Educational Employment Relations Act, which applied to a grievance filed by the union. But Education Code Section 45113 vests in the school board jurisdiction and the power to determine cause to terminate an employee. And then the Public Employment Relations Board is entitled entitled to review facts and resolve disputes to determine whether retaliation has occurred. But when Education Code Section 45113 applies, the board cannot override a finding by the school district that sufficient cause for discipline existed. So after reviewing the evidence provided by Visalia USD, the Court of Appeal noted that Ramirez's errors and their discovery were entirely divorced from any union activity, and those errors were real, not fancied or imagined, <clears throat> and that the attendant investigation originated not in union activity, but in parents' legitimate complaints. The Public Employment Relations Board public uh, published decision was therefore set aside and the board was directed to modify the decision consistent with the Court of Appeals' conclusion. And now our crime report. Former California plaintiff's personal injury lawyer, Thomas Vincent Girardi, who owned the downtown Los Angeles-based girardi Keese law firm, has been indicted by a federal grand jury for allegedly embezzling more than $15 million from several of his illegal clients. And he was disbarred in 2022. He was at once a powerful figure in California's legal community until creditors forced his law firm into bankruptcy in December 2020. And along the way, he had at least two claims to fame. He played a key role in winning a $333 million settlement in a case that later became the basis for the film Aaron Brockovich. And decades later, he and his wife, Erica Jane, were cast on the reality show Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Last month, a Los Angeles federal, federal ju- judge ruled that Girardi was competent enough to stand trial in his criminal case. Despite his claims, he suffers from late-onset Alzheimer's disease and dementia, and that he was incompetent to stand trial. This occurred after a three-day hearing last year on the competency issue. Dr. Diana Goldstein, a psychologist retained by the government, conducted a psychological and neurocognitive evaluation of Attorney Girardi on three consecutive days and concluded that Girardi's clinical presentation was not one of severe amnesia, but she said it was a deliberate attempt at deception, an intentional embellishment of mild cognitive impairment for secondary gain, and an adaptive attempt to avoid prosecution, and that Girardi uh, meets the California criteria of mental competency to stand trial. Also, a Dr. R. Ryan Darby, who is a neurologist with specialization in behavioral neurology and neuropsychiatry, concluded that Girardi was malingering or exaggerating the severity of his memory impairment. Despite evidence presented by Girardi's attorney, the judge found that multiple clinic observations by these experts support a finding of partial malingering, and that he meets the competency criteria to stand trial. And now our regulatory news. The Department of Labor published a guide to the new independent contractor test. Now, California law has clearly established a very liberal test to resolve the classification of an employee or independent contractor by California's passage of AB5, which codified the now well-known ABC test of independent contractor versus employee. For workers' compensation claims in California, the ABC test is appropriate. However, employers with out-of-state employees need to be aware that there are other standards, including this new federal standard. Importantly, the new federal Department of Labor rule recents the Trump administration 2021 Independent Contractor Rule, which the Department of Labor believes was out of sync with longstanding judicial precedent, and increased the likelihood, they say, of misclassification. Specifically, the new federal rule revises the Department's guidance by returning to the multi-factor totality of the circumstances analysis, to assess whether a worker is an employee or an independent contractor under the FLSA. And now all factors are analyzed without assigning a predetermined weight to a particular factor or set of factors. And in medical news, Governor Newsom is revisiting California's phase-in of a $25 minimum wage for health workers After he was confronted with a projected $38 billion budget deficit this year, less than three months after he approved this law, his administration now projects the first year cost of the pay raise to be $4 billion through that number, though that number has been questioned by labor leaders. And about half of that cost is expected to be paid by California taxpayers and the rest covered by federal payments to Medi-Cal providers. But renegotiating wages could threaten a delicate compromise between unions and the health industry. The governor insisted he had reservations about approving the new law all along, and now he pledged to work with fellow Democrats who control the legislature to make a new law more affordable. Last month, the union, the SEIU, United Healthcare Workers, West, president asserted the state must hold fast to its commitment for this wage increase. The phase-ins are set to start in June, giving state officials time to roll them back before the new fiscal year if they choose to do so. And a new report says that 18 years of undisclosed conflicts of interest taint the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, Version 5, or simply DSM-5, the same manual that is mandated by Labor Code Section 3202.3 for use in the assessment of mental disorders in California workers' compensation cases. DSM-5 is the 2013 update to the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders. The taxonomic and diagnostic tool published by the American Psychiatric Association and in 2022 a revised version, DSM-5-TR, that stands for text revision, was published and is now in use. And the United States and the DSM Services as the principal authority for psychiatric uh, diagnosis in our country. Financial conflicts of interest are a pernicious problem across medicine, including psychiatry. And a study published back in 2006 found that there are strong financial ties between the pharmaceutical industry and the older DSM-IV panel members in charge of developing and modifying the diagnostic criteria for mental illnesses back then. And these connections were notably strong in diagnostic areas that had pharmacological treatment as the first line of intervention. Following that, in 2007, the American Psychiatric Association, which produces the DSM, developed a conflict of interest policy, But in 2012 now, a year before DSM-5 was published, the same authors replicated their earlier study. And unfortunately, the American Psychiatric Association's new disclosure policy had not been accompanied by any reduction in financial conflicts of interest. In fact, on three quarters of the panels, a majority of members had financial... Ties to the pharmaceutical industry. And once again, the panels with the most conflicts of interest were concentrated among mental disorders where drugs were the first line of treatment. And then, this January 2024, a new third study was published in the British Medical Journal. And in this new study, it was concluded that conflicts of interest among panel members of DSM 5, the new one, TR, or text revision, were still prevalent. A high-tech startup out of Cambridge in the UK has chosen Bakersfield, California, to locate a high-tech center for clinical trials aimed at developing neural digital therapies. The company BIOS Health whose real-time AI-assisted neural data monitoring platform, has won a partnership with the National Institutes of Health and with investors, including Kern Venture Group. And this news comes after BIOS Health announced it had secured a growth round of funding from key partners. BIOS also continues work as the data insights platform for the largest ever study of the human vagus nerve with the National Institutes of Health and other partners, including the University of Minnesota, the Mayo Clinic, and Stanford University. The company is partnering with the City of uh, Bakersfield, Kern County, and Kern Venture Group to establish a state-of-the-art precision medicine center in Bakersfield. BIOS has developed adaptive dosing technology using neural biomarkers and AI to observe and adjust in real time the effects of drugs and stimulants on patients' nervous system. BIOS Neural Insights platform could hold the key to a new generation of treatments for conditions including hypertension, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, and even diseases of the brain itself, such as Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. This will be BIOS's second international hub after launching an AI and neuroscience research site in Montreal, Canada in 2018. BIOS Health is pioneering the technology to read neural data in real time with AI to power a new generation of, it says, is similar to the DNA revolution in medicine. So that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish our daily news, our podcast, and our other utilities on our free workcompapps.com smartphone app. Again, I am Renee Fols with Floyd, Scarin, Mnookin, and Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.